0: Hi there, how's it going? I'm Lauren Mitchell and this is episode three of my podcast, Going Gluten-Free. This podcast is to help you in your journey of going gluten-free, whether you're just starting out in a GF or celiac world and you're looking for some extra tips or you're already a bit of an expert, whatever it is, thanks for listening in. And on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to an Instagrammer, an all-round fabulous mum and wife. Her name is Miriam once I went to a work team meeting and they had pan au chocolat and I was like,
1: oh, I love pan au chocolat. I'm just going to I'm just going to do it. It's going to be worth it. It wasn't even that nice. And the girl I sat next to, I was like, wait for this. And I stood up that afternoon and I just looked like yeah, I was about eight months pregnant. I was like, look at my stomach. She couldn't believe it. She absolutely couldn't believe it. I was like, I am in so much pain. I'm so glad it's nearly time to go home.
0: Miriam travels a lot and has some great tips for going gluten-free as well. And as usual, I have a great little recipe picked out for you. And this is one. To be honest, I was really shocked at. All you need for it is 140 grams of gluten-free plain flour, 50 grams of corn flour, three eggs, 175 mils of semi-skimmed milk and some sunflower oil. If you can't guess what it is yet, I'll tell you everything after my little chat with Miriam. So
1: all, my fa- well, all our family are intolerant, but to different degrees. I'm the worst, then my son, then my daughter, and then my husband. So probably in that kind of order. It
0: makes it easy to cook for everybody then. We just do
1: exactly the same, exactly the same. And it, it's easy because there's no gluten in our house at all. So you don't need to worry about cross-contamination. But being not celiac, cross-contamination doesn't matter so much. So I realised that I was gluten intolerant about 10 years ago when we lived in London and I just felt rubbish. I had like horrible bloated stomach, a sore stomach, not to go into details, but you know, <laughs> wasn't going to the bathroom regularly and just felt really exhausted a lot of the time. And it was my husband was like, I think you should go on an elimination diet. So we both did it together, just to make life easy and cut any sort of you know dairy eggs all that kind of stuff out and then slowly introduced it back in often you do have a little bit of a flame up just because you haven't had it for a while from like dairy and things eggs were fine um, and then gluten and I was just like oh my goodness shoot me now this is horrendous this is obviously what it is and then from then on so like for 10 years I've not apart from one once i went to a work team meeting and they had chocola and i was like oh i love panachola i'm just going to i'm just going to do it it's going to be worth it it wasn't even that nice and the girl i sat next to i was like wait for this and i stood up that afternoon and i just looked like i was about 8 months pregnant I was like, look at my stomach. She couldn't believe it. She absolutely couldn't believe it. I was like, I am in
0: so much pain. I'm so glad it's nearly time to go home. Oh. It was mad. Absolutely mad. So things that have more gluten in, is it worse for you? Or? I don't know.
1: Because you know what? I don't mess with it. I just don't. No. Like my
0: daughter, she says to me, oh,
1: mummy, I wish I could eat gluten. We do sometimes give it to them to just kind of see if they are if they still are. Is it something they're going to grow out of? And she said, oh, I think she's getting a bit more interested kind of in it. And she's like, oh, because I had something at a party and I felt fine. Maybe that was a crisp or, you know, a something. But if you're eating loaves of bread every day, then it's maybe going to be worse. Who knows?
0: Do you think then everybody is intolerant in some way? I think so.
1: Yeah, we've done a lot of reading about it. It says in like years gone by, you could eat gluten because it was a bit more of a fresh product. Whereas now it's in so much that it kind of shouldn't be like sauces and all sorts. And it's so overly processed that it's become, I kind of want to say almost poisonous. I think most people would benefit from not eating gluten and not to get into the whole cool fad sort of thing. But from the reading we've done, we think most people could benefit at least cutting cutting it out for a while
0: and then reintroducing it and seeing how they react. Yeah. Well, what I saw that gluten is so mm. the Latin word for gluten is glue. Sticks everything together because you find if you have a bread that's not got gluten in it, it falls apart. Or with actual bread, it sticks together and it's thicker. And they thicken out the sauce with the wheat and yeah, it just makes you feel like oh, I've been eating glue all of this time. Yeah, yeah, who would do that? That's it. So when you were, obviously you realised it was gluten, were you a bit sad? Were you thinking, oh, I wish it was dairy or...
1: Gluten's just in everything. You went through your day and it's like, okay, so I can't have toast or cereal. At that point, you don't, well, it was 10 years ago. So the choices actually still were pretty slim. But you don't realise, oh, there are gluten-free breads and there are gluten-free cereals. But it was like, oh, no pizza, no birthday cake. You can't go to Marks and Spencer's and have a cinnamon and pecan twist. You can't have naan bread. Like, what? You can't have an ice cream cone. Those sorts of things. I was like, oh, it was really hard at first. Really, really hard. Because I think we ate quite a lot of pasta. You know, chuck together whatever pasta, grab whatever veggies are in the fridge some meat chuck it in pasta done that's dinner so it was quite a shift like i started eating loads of eggs like every morning love an egg (laughs) people look at me in the shops oh it's like a 20 pack i think that you can get the people have that 20 pack of eggs and i have that one and i have that in this
0: lockdown surprised i've not been punched (laughs) get all the eggs to, to bake like I need four twenty 20-packs of eggs, sorry. <laughs> oh.
1: But that's such a shift from like Kellogg's Special K and muesli and all that sort of stuff. It's quite a big leap in your mind. But once you've done it, you've kind of done it. Gets it, easier. It gets so much easier.
0: Like it's just normal for us now. And I think because your whole body has changed, it, you actually look at gluten and you think, I don't even want that because I know what it does. no. No,
1: exactly. Exactly. After I did the whole pan and chocolate thing, I was like, never, ever, ever again am I doing that. That was horrendous. So did you just have like a proper get everything in the bin, buy new stuff? Yeah, my husband's quite good for that. He's like, right, we're not having any more refined sugar bin. And I hate food waste. I absolutely cannot stand wasted food And I'm like, you can't do that. You've got to give it to like a charity or something. We lived in a flat complex at the time. So we put all our like gluten stuff just out in the foyer of the flats and it disappeared. We're like, yeah, you can have our gluten. It's on it.
0: We don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want that manky stuff that makes us ill.
1: Exactly. But it it blows my mind because some people are actually regularly ill. We've faced it where we've said to people, gluten, maybe like wouldn't you try not doing that? no it's like okay well don't complain to me when you're ill all the time it blows my mind that some people don't kind of understand that what we put in our mouths is like the petrol you put in your car you know if you're putting diesel in your car that's a petrol car it's not going to run right Well, if you're putting gluten in your mouth and you're gluten intolerant then your body isn't going to run right and you're going to have issues why would you fill your body with stuff that makes you feel rubbish I don't I don't get why you do that
0: and the difference in changing from having no gluten is just so different. I I can't. Did you feel less tired and less fatigue and less oh, angry? Totally. I was like, I'm walking on so <laughs> You know, like I felt like a new person. A new new person. <laughs> yeah I think that's exactly what it does. It does. it changes your whole life.
1: Oh totally. A friend of mine is celiac and her brother was actually an undercover cop and he got away with it because he was so skinny and his eyes were so sunken and all this like that he would look like a dealer and he realized he suddenly realized he was celiac and he started not eating gluten and then he became like a normal person and he had to come out of being undercover. Because he didn't fit the profile anymore. Oh, <gasps> that's mad. All he changed was eating gluten and not eating gluten. He properly like gained weight, like, but in a good way. You know, people think, oh, you stop eating gluten because it's a diet. But from what we've read, your body actually absorbs your stomach and your gut absorb the goodness of food better. So some people actually gain weight because they've been so kind of malnourished. So there's a lot of
0: sugar in gluten food. Have you found that?
1: Yeah. We try our best mostly not to buy the gluten-free alternatives as much as we can. But we go through phases of, right, we're not having any more bread. But yeah, there's loads of sugar. I don't know if it's the taste
0: or what. Some gluten-free products are like, "Mm, I'd rather not have that because it tastes disgusting true so in your house then when you're cooking for everybody what's the best meals that you have together oh well just recently i discovered that i could make lasagna
1: i've never made lasagna ever in my life before the kids are loving that just now but i make like chili i mean chili doesn't usually have gluten in it way anyway. Usually I make things like chicken wrapped in parma ham, stuff that doesn't contain gluten naturally, you know? Yeah. So we don't have many gluten-free alternatives. What do you miss the most? Naan bread. You can get naan bread in Asda. It's not the same. My kids love it, but I'm like, that is because you've never had the real stuff. It's just not the same. It's so flat. It's not fluffy. And, and like ice cream cones, going to the beach for an ice cream but you have to have it in a tub and patisserie stuff we were really lucky we just lived in Paris for two years and although France is not good for gluten-free at all they just it's almost like they don't recognize it gluten oh yeah no there's no gluten in this um it's breaded chicken I think you'll <laughs> it probably is they just don't recognise it. Paris is a lot better, but they had gluten free patisseries. So you oh. could go and have anything you wanted. And they were amazing. That's actually so-
0: what I want to talk to you about, because you're a little bit different. You've travelled a lot, you know, so where is good? Where's bad? You know, what's the best for being gluten free when you're on the road? You know what? The UK is amazing. They've got gluten free on the menu.
1: It's really easy to figure out. Obviously, you're speaking English. Australia are all over it, absolutely all over it. Paris was tricky because they don't recognize it. But we just got into the habit of eating kind of the same thing when we went out. Things that we knew would be gluten free, you do kind of take a little bit of a risk. Because if you ask, you're either just getting whatever they're going to give you or you're getting lettuce. They're not the greatest. We went to Italy and that was really good because we had the most amazing pizzas. But I always research before I go and check out like on TripAdvisor where gluten free restaurants are so that we know that we can kind of get food easily. We were just in Prague in February
0: And it was actually really good for gluten-free. There's actually gluten-free restaurants in Prague and it's like a chain. Yeah, Yeah, it's really good. I have to say, when you said Italy, that's a shock because they're like pizza, pasta, bread, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, well, um, it was Rome we were in
1: and it was actually just me and my daughter. And I had researched where to go and we found this pizza place. I made a reservation in advance. Oh my goodness, trying to find it was an absolute nightmare. We nearly gave up. Oh my goodness. It was
0: phenomenal they got ranked high up the list purely on that amazing pizza it's funny because i went to see a palm reader and she said you're gonna end up in italy and you're gonna you know so now that you're telling me it's good for gluten-free i can just go straight there. <laughs> fine taking a flight let's go there once the borders and everything are all open and nobody's got covid i know it's such a weird thing and obviously this is your lifestyle going on instagram and going to restaurants so What is it like now? Well, we have a takeaway usually once
1: a week on a Saturday. Like last night, we got from Six Degrees North, Smoke and Soul, who are the resident chefs there, And going there have been on my list because we only came to Aberdeen, back to Aberdeen in September. So they've been on my list for a while. We can still try their food, but without going there. But my daughter, she'll say, Mommy, when can we go out for food? When can we go out for food? Because it's just one of the nice like weekend things we do. We'll go and do some exploring and we'll go out for lunch somewhere
0: thank you for listening to episode three of going gluten-free this is the podcast that will help you on your journey of going gluten-free if that's what you're doing real life stories with some extra little tips just to help you along the way i am talking to miriam who has a family of gluten freeers and in just a few minutes as usual i'm going to share with you my top recipe pick for today's episode and i'm telling you what this is a big one this is a shocker this i'll tell you right after part two of my chat with miriam Oh, and she must be missing that as well. And obviously you've got your Instagram page, you've got your Facebook page. And how did you get into kind of doing this sort of thing? Oh, well,
1: it started when we lived in the southwest of France in a place called Po. So we were there for a year and, well, one of the other mums in particular were just kind of moaning, I guess, about how little information there was in English. And that area is so French, so, so, so French that English really isn't spoken very much at all. And I spoke zero French so when I arrived there it's a bit like okay well what can we do where can we go so we had come up with the idea of putting a blog together or something but we both had little kit and we just didn't have time to actually make it happen and then fast forward to New Year's Eve going into 2019 a few drinks later we were chatting about Instagram and I was like oh you know what what is this Instagram I've you know I hear about it a lot I've not really been on it I had this idea of doing a blog and my friend was like, you've got to do do it on Instagram. Just do it on Instagram. It's so easy. I'll show you mine. This is what I do. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And then at that point, we were living in Paris. So then I started sharing what we were doing in Paris with the kids. Because, again, in Paris, it's like, can you take kids there? Can you not take kids there? Where do they enjoy going? It can be a little bit difficult when you don't speak the language To find out what's happening so it started like that really then I added sort of in the gluten-free thing it's just kind of gone on from there you've blown up out of all those places was it Italy that
0: was the best then
1: yeah well Italy was the best for like kind of gluten-free and all that sort of stuff and just the atmosphere but I mean I miss Paris a lot because we've been in Australia for years coming to Europe we're like we must blitz Europe we like we Went on a cruise a couple of years ago and went to like Stockholm, Helsinki, Tallinn in Estonia, St. Petersburg in Russia. Like, we've
0: got to do it. It's a fabulous life as well for the kids. Must be mad like them kind of travelling around and stuff all of the time. Yeah, they love it. Here's a question, right? You were obviously gluten free before you got pregnant. And what was it Mm -hmm. like when you were pregnant? Did you actually crave gluten or? You know what? I did have slip ups
1: because for some reason I wanted lasagna. And I wanted Kit Kats, you know, the big Kit Kat chunkies. I wanted those. And it's funny because while I was pregnant, a friend of mine in Australia who is celiac, she had heard that often with celiacs, their symptoms go away when pregnant. And I was like, oh, really? So I, I did have slip ups then and I didn't really react at all. So it was a little bit strange.
0: It's like, I don't know what it is. Is it a burger that I, I know. or is it? That's a Kit Kat. That's a baby. Because <laughs> it just rolls into one, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. But no, the reactions didn't seem as strong or to happen at all.
0: Wow. So Miriam, what's the hardest thing about being gluten-free then? Travelling, being gluten-free
1: is tricky because you do have to research. Before we went on that cruise, I can't remember how many ports we were hitting, something like seven so that's like seven different countries cities to research where you can get a gluten-free meal. But I think that's the kind of thing like if you're in a country that doesn't speak English trying to explain that you can't have gluten, you know, if we eat it, yeah, we'd react and it's not nice and it's uncomfortable for us, but if you're celiac, then it's properly doing damage and you just don't want to reset I don't know the hardest thing you know what the hardest thing is probably that first month when you go from eating gluten to not eating gluten and it's just such a massive mindset change of getting your head around what you can and can't eat but other things that are trickier, like we've been helping out our neighbours during this time she baked scones and put them on our doorstep to say thank you and I'm like oh Ben can't eat (laughs) those You're like, oh, that's wonderful. And then when you see them next time, you have to say they were lovely. And they say, oh, I can eat them because actually I'm gluten free. Because then you're like, oh, then you kind of are you offending them? It's almost that kind of anxiety, embarrassment
0: yes.
1: thing. And when like restaurants don't have gluten free written on the menu, and then they come to take your order, and you're like, well, actually, can I check what's gluten free? And then often they have to go away and check with the chef, and you're like, oh, if you just pop it on your menu even just gluten-free option it's good it's like three little letters and a little thing to
0: tell you what is at the bottom just do it it makes life so much easier it does there's there's a lot actually of restaurants that do have that and then there's a lot that don't or or if they have the menu you're like "Yes! yes yeah you're like score <laughs> they've got it they've got another menu life is easy <laughs> yeah that's it and so what is your top tips then if you're going to go on holiday you're going to go abroad you're going to go to another country what is your top tips to help find all the information you need i
1: go on trip advisor and i just put in gluten free and the city i'm going to and I- I'm a bit of a geek and I fully have like a little pack prepared of where we can go with a map where yeah. our hotel is. <laughs> and Love it. So that I so that I know and I mean you know what nine times out of ten we don't go to those restaurants. We find other places that maybe don't have gluten-free written on TripAdvisor and you go oh this place has gluten-free written and it's right here we don't need to walk another 10 minutes or I would feel anxious if I didn't know where my next meal would possibly be coming from. Yeah. And like for hotels I always email them ahead of time and say hey we're coming these are check-in dates is there like gluten-free bread or whatever available almost everywhere has said yeah there's gluten-free bread you might need to ask for it they don't like to leave it out but yeah just research be prepared I think be organized as well and like for traveling and flying I've always got you know
0: here's my carry-on it's just full of food snacks you've got the snacks I think every gluten-free yeah celiac we have snacks at the ready like I
1: brought cereal because <laughs> I didn't know with that hotel because it was like breakfast served into your room so I thought oh, I don't know what the gluten-free options might be sometimes Never they know. say there's some and then they run out or whatever but our little hand luggage case was just chopped <laughs> just all so. gluten-free snacks and like cereal I had
0: all sorts it was ridiculous but you've got to be prepared especially with two kids that'll get hungry yeah, so it's the point in the chat, right? Am I going to ask this to everybody. This is the biggest question. What is, in your opinion, the best gluten-free bread? I would say the genius stuff is good, but it's expensive. So in honesty, I would
1: buy, if it's on the shelves, it's not been recently, just the Asda free from. But I, I put it in the fridge because I feel like it lasts longer. It gets stale less quickly.
0: Well, there's a wee tip that I found out that if you put celery in the bag with the bread... It's meant to help, but I just, I'm not keen on the taste of celery anyway. So if my bread starts to taste like celery, then I'm um, not having it. (laughs) Yeah, I know
1: that. Yeah, but it probably works then. But a lot of the things that we eat aren't labelled gluten-free, particularly. For lunch, I have soups. Well, that's just as uh, they're like fresh soups. Some of them have gluten in, some of them don't. Well, easy, you know, over time you get smart with it and you're like, well, I know that tortilla chips are generally gluten free. I don't need to buy the glu- uh, the ones that say gluten free on them because the ones in the crisp aisle are also gluten free
0: but half the price. It it's stuff like that. That is the best tip that you've given actually because you're right. The the normal stuff that you find is actually gluten free is actually much cheaper. So mm. when it as, soon as it has gluten free on the label, boof, an extra quid totally that's fab so where can we find you then where can we follow you for all the best tips I'm on Instagram
1: at cases.packedlets.go. is that right something like that
0: cases.packed.lets.go because that just rolls off the tongue it does actually (laughs) I thought it did I thought it was quite a cool little Instagram page It's when you have to say dot. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. I've had such a fun time. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fab there you go then that is the lovely miriam i hope you got some good tips from her and her journey of going gluten-free do you know what that was a really good story as i don't think i've actually come across a whole family of gluten-free as yet but that is brilliant this is episode three of my short podcast series and it's the moment you have all been waiting for this is my top recipe pick for today's episode is the gluten-free yorkshire pudding I know if you're already gluten free and you haven't tasted one before going gluten free you'll know it's a big miss on a Sunday roast and here is what you need. You need 140 grams of gluten free plain flour, 50 grams of corn flour, three eggs, and 175 milliliters of semi skimmed milk, and then a wee dash of sunflower oil as well, just for drizzling. What you need to do is you we need to make up the batter mix. So you tip the flours into a bowl with half a teaspoon of salt. Make a well in the middle and just crack the eggs into it. Whisk it all together, then slowly add the milk and whisk in all the time until it gets kind of lump free. Then you leave it to stand until you're ready to cook it. Make sure you heat the oven to 230 degrees, drizzle a little oil evenly onto two 12-hole non-stick muffin tins and then put it into the oven to heat through. Then pour the batter into a jug and remove the hot tins from the oven. So you're kind of just warming them up. Carefully and evenly, just evenly, sorry, pour the batter just into the holes. And then what you do, put the tins back in the oven and leave undisturbed for 20 to 25 minutes. Because I think it's the same as a cake. If you open the oven, booth, ruined it. So wait until the puddings are puffed right up and they're all brown. And then you just serve them immediately. And there you have it i hope you've enjoyed episode three of going gluten free in my next episode i'm going to be talking to a MasterChef winner i cannot wait for this and she has a fabulous story i can't wait for it if you enjoyed this episode just make sure you give it a good wee review and you can follow me anytime on twitter at radio laws if you've got any questions at all thank you for downloading and listening and i'll see you in episode four